Hey everyone, I wanted to cut in here before the show and share with you our new Clarity Tool. Now, this is a four question framework to help you jumpstart your journey to excellence. We understand that there's never truly a destination on your journey of excellence, but instead you are focused on continual and never ending improvement in all five pillars of excellence. But how do you go on a journey to excellence when you don't have a clear picture of where to start? Well, we created this tool exclusively for Unlock Your Excellence podcast listeners, and we'll be launching a free bi-weekly mini mastermind where we will dive deep into this four-part framework. You can feel free to download the Clarity Tool and go through it on your own or join one of our mini masterminds and dive deep with other high-performing individuals on a common pursuit of excellence in their life. Visit UYEClarityTool.com to pick up your free Clarity Tool today and register for our next upcoming mini mastermind. That's UYEClarityTool.com. We'll see you there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Unlock Your Excellence podcast. With uh, I'm your host, Mike Higgins. Forgot who I was for a second, Nate. I was like, uh, your name? <laughs> I forgot who with I was. With your favorite guy. <laughs> with your favorite guy. Hey, I got a really special guest, uh, fellow front row dad. There's a lot of front row dads that are on my podcast, and I love it. Um, friend of mine that I've known for the last probably three or four years, uh, Nate Palmer, is in the house. Ladies and gentlemen, give him a round of applause. Nate, thanks for, for joining us. I can feel the applause from here, and it feels good. Yeah, man. So for those of you who don't know Nate, Nate helps entrepreneurs and busy parents get into the best shape of their lives using simple training and nutrition frameworks and without tracking a single calorie. Now, Nate also um, has wrote a book. He is the uh, <clears throat> he's the host of the Low Carb Hustle, and uh, so he's a, he's a really good podcaster. He'll be able to talk for the next three hours. So get your popcorn ready, as they say. But the one thing that is really cool is Nate has created simple frameworks. And I've recently realized, maybe in the last, I don't know, year or two, that I think better in frameworks. And Nate, you've created your frameworks like with what to eat in the morning, what to eat in the afternoon, what to eat in the evening, and kind of then also the frameworks around your fitness routines, I think are really, really helpful. And that's what I'm really excited to dive into because the pillar of excellence uh, in the health category is something that I truly believe, like for me, that's my keystone habit of the day. Like if I can get up and hammer out a workout, it's nine times out of 10 going to be a really good day. And I can share with you today, I actually had some internal dialogue. I was telling my wife this morning, it was really tough for me to go to the gym. I uh, woke up later than normal. And the conversation that I had with myself for about 25 minutes was, I kind of have a cough. I could probably not go and rest would be good for myself. And then immediately I was like, well, nobody ever regretted going to the gym. So just pull up your bootstraps and go to the gym. And then I was like, yeah, but rest is really good for the body. And I had this back and forth conversation with myself while I was making coffee for probably 25 minutes and eventually ended up going to the gym. And this turned out to be a pretty good day, but uh, that was a really long, that, none of that was your bio. So long story of thanks for being here, man. And I'm excited to dive deep. I'm glad to be here, man. This is fun. And I do love frameworks. I think those are like, I have such a hard time focusing on things that like having just like, okay, if this, then that, that makes just, that makes life so much easier. I feel like it makes it like stuff stickier too. You know, yeah. you, you, it's easier time remembering, remembering things and making sure that you are on track with the actual the goals you've set because if it was if I, if I had to turn to my like my 
to-do list every time I had something that I needed to get done, I would be a highly ineffective person. Yeah. And what I also love is your frameworks are not like long and drawn out and you have to like really take time to think about them. Before we dive into that, Nate, I want to start this thing off after I've already started off for three minutes. Um, How does Nate Palmer define excellence? It's one of the keystone questions here in this podcast, and I'd love to hear your answer to that. Um, two, two things I think for me really showcase excellence in the way I, I perceive it. Number one is consistency. Are you doing the thing over and over and over again? Because there's nothing that gets on my nerves more than someone being like, yo, Nate, have you heard about this new supplement? Have you tried keto? Have you, are you doing this one thing? And I'm like, how, yeah, like that sounds cool. How long have you been doing that? And they're like two days. It's amazing. I'm like, well, I don't give a shit about that. Can you hit me back up in a year? Can we talk about this in three years? Which is why I have such a hard time with like a lot of the like the hypey stuff that goes on in fitness. So I just get a little annoyed when people are want to be day one evangelists without having put in the time and the consistency. So I feel like people who are not excellent are not consistent. But obviously consistency without improvement is also not is a recipe for just kind of stagnation. So I do believe that ha- like have getting 1% better and trying just to do a little tiny bit of, of improvement upon your last, your last rep, your last day, your last interaction is the, is how you really build and create excellence. I love that. That's really good. Yeah. And a lot of times it's just, it's not sexy. It's not fun. It's just it's the day sexy, after day after day being consistent, sticking to the framework and then also measuring the results because if you don't measure mm-hmm. it, you, it can't be managed, right? So there's that's why True. that's why I get on the scale every single day. It's not because I'm hyper sensitive to it and just overly OCD. It's because I want to see you're what my trends are. You know what I mean? Like if I'm trending mm-hmm. in a good direction or a bad direction, I can take that information, correlate it to what my inputs and or outputs are, and that can help me figure out, you know, what I should be doing moving forward. So um, give us kind of just the the five minute version of, of Nate Palmer life story and what got you to where you are today. And then uh, and then let's dive into some of these frameworks and and some of the things that you see with all of the clients that you're working with and, and some uh, tactical take home stuff that the listeners can can uh, take home after listening to today's episode. Cool. Yeah. So um, I really got into fitness at an early age and it was cause not, not because I was the uh, captain of the football team. I know it's shocking looking at me, but it was because, um, this one time at, in high school, I was like a sophomore or something like that. And this girl came over and, and pretty big crush on Christine, you know how it goes. And she's like, Nate, let me see your arms. I was like, well, yeah, baby girl, you talking about big dub diesel. You talk about the boss. And she's like, turns to her friend. She goes, see Michelle, I told you my arms were bigger than his. <laughs> oh, so I was like, well, I guess I'll either have to kill myself or start working out really hard. So, you know, out of like a place of insecurity and, you know, not feeling good in my skin, I started working out in high school and worked out in college. I tried everything. I did the CrossFit. I did Orange Theory. I did all the, like the workouts that you see online stuff, tried bodybuilding, whatever, did all the diets, tried keto, tried macros, what, like everything. And nothing really ever took off for me. I never really felt like, oh man, I'm nailing this thing. I'm getting it. So, so much of the, so to the extent of like, I got a job as a personal trainer in a gym because I was like, all I was doing is reading about fitness. And I was like, I'm going to figure this out. Eventually I'm going to be strong and muscular. No one's ever going to be able to hurt my feelings again. So fast forward a couple of years, I was 
uh, contacted by a magazine who was like, Hey, can you write us an article about nutrition? And I was like, sure. You want it about muscle building or about weight loss? Cause those are the only two things. And they're like, actually, could we get something about how to have all day energy? Mm. I was like, okay, yeah, sure. That sounds okay. Different. And I really got, got into that before. So I started doing some research, reading some studies, learning a lot about hormones and circadian rhythm and biorhythms and blood sugar and all these different things and wrote this article. It was pretty successful on the website. And, um, I started changing my own diet to reflect this because I was, you know, working 14 hour days. I've wanted to have energy. And the craziest thing happened was that I started getting better results in my own personal fitness than I'd ever gotten before. I started gaining muscle faster. I started losing weight. I, I got as lean as I wanted to get. And I was like, oh man, like, like what's going on with this? Like nothing's ever been easy before. So I tried it out with a couple of clients. I was like, you guys try this out. See, like, see what you think. And so they started getting great results too. And they're like, I feel amazing. I look like I want to look and I don't feel like I'm even on a diet right now. Like it just feels like how I eat. So I ended up like trying it out with other clients and started like building an online community of, of like entrepreneurs and busy parents who wanted to prioritize their energy because they knew what that was going to do for them. But by, by doing so, get the physical results, stay lean for life, build their longevity and have all those pieces fall into place. And what I found was that by focusing on your body's natural biorhythms and working with your body instead of against it, all these other things that we just seem to white knuckle and stress out about and really like fixate on, they all fall into place. But the reason we don't get results is because it's, we try so hard and we try to count every calorie and, and track all of our macros, not realizing that we're putting our body out of alignment of the way it's naturally supposed to go, working against our blood sugar, against our circadian rhythm. So do you find that with entrepreneurs that that um, imbalance maybe is the best way that I would say it? is even in a subset of people, right? The entrepreneurs are, you know, the 1% of the 1%. Is it even worse with entrepreneurs than it is if you're looking at the kind of the um, macro population? Uh, do they kind of screw it up more? Because what I think about is like, we resist circadian rhythms a lot, right? <laughs> like I can, I mean, we're, I feel like I'm always, I'm always white knuckling something, right? In the entrepreneurial world. So do you see that show up quite a bit for entrepreneurs specifically? Yeah, I think that sleep suffers quite a bit for entrepreneurs and business owners. Um, but I also think that there's this element of perfectionism that I see with a lot of entrepreneurs that are like, well, if I can't do it 100% right, mm. eat super clean, train 27 times per week, do 75 hard, then I'm just not going to do it. And I reject that. I don't believe that that's A, serves us, and I don't believe it's reasonable either. I think that we need to be like cognizant of what our ability is and what our what we can pay to get something done. Right. And when I say pay, I mean, don't mean like financially all the time. Like fitness is a huge time commitment. It's a like tracking, like doing your nutrition and meal prepping and stuff like that. That's a time commitment. It takes energy. It takes being on the same page as your partner. So like, what can you pay right now? Mm. And let's start there. Right. And that's, then it comes down to the consistency. Can you continue to do this? Can you build these week long, month long streaks rather than these four day streaks that everyone likes to get? And then can you get a little bit better every single day? You know, and if I can, if I can convince someone that this is the way you don't need to go to the gym five times per week, all you need to do is walk 30 minutes. All you need to do is start off drinking water. You don't need to take a bunch of supplements. This is the way like, then we can always dial stuff up. It's so much easier to start installing new habits when they've already mm. got some a good baseline of habits. Right. But so many entrepreneurs are like, if I can't do a hundred percent, then I'm going to do 0% because I, I'm right, going to bite off my nose. That makes yeah. sense. If I can't do it. So as you're, 
as you're writing this article, as you're training clients, and then you kind of, it almost done, like all of a sudden you just have this aha moment, right? Cause you're seeing this happen with yourself, right? So is this kind of the genesis of the million dollar body method? Like, and Correct, for those yeah. of you that I kind of glossed over in the beginning, but the million dollar body method is Nate's book. Uh, I have a copy at home where he lays out this entire framework. It's, it's a really great read. It's an easy read. It's not a huge novel. Uh, and the framework inside is, is so easy to understand that I just, I love tuning in. It's like this way for, for breakfast, this way for lunch, this way for dinner. Boom, done. This is how many times it work out. So is that kind of the genesis of the million dollar body method? And is that what is still, um, leading the charge for you today? Absolutely. And I just think that like what started in 2015 as this kind of this one-off article and like how I started experimenting with it, um, it came to fruition for me in 2018 when I had a, I had a client here in Arizona and he was a roofer. And so he's building his business in it, like, like from the ground up and he's in his truck 12 hours a day. Mm. And he comes to me and he's like, Nate, I need to lose weight. It's like, it's, I need to lose about 40 pounds. It's not working for me. I am not going to work out. And I was like, okay, cool. That's sounds, that's perfect. You're going to be very successful. And he's like, and I'm also going to drive 12 hours a day. And I was like, perfect. And he's like, and I'm also gonna eat fast food five times a week. I was like, no problem. Easy. Like, right. And so I was like, well, why don't you try them? Why don't you try this method that I, that I came up with where it's all about energy and you, cause he's like, he's like, also like, oh, I'm drinking three monsters, three energy, like energy drinks a day, of like two of them in the afternoon. And I need to crash out at like 6 PM before I can even hang out with my family. I just feel like I'm drained all the time. Yeah. Like, I'll work out later, but what, what can you do for me? It's like, let's work on my energy. So I was like, all right, great. Let's try this nutrition plan out. So got him down to like one energy drink per day. He was drinking it all before two o'clock now feeling a lot better. He was like, my wife noticed a difference. My kids have noticed a difference. They're like, they're a lot more excited to see me when I get home. I don't have to crash out. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, what's our next step? He's like, oh, by the way, I lost 22 pounds in the last three months. Hmm. And I was like, shit, what? Like, okay, we might be onto something here. So at that point I was like, this is too, this is too important, too easy. And like, and it's just too much of a game changer for entrepreneurs and business owners for me not to share this more. So in like 2019, 2020, I wrote the book, Million Dollar Body Method. It came out like January 21, January 21, something like that. And, but cause my mission now has just been to help other people like make it, make it effortless for them to drop fat easily and wake up the rest of their lives, feeling lean, strong and energetic. Like that's the mission. So if I can do that by publishing a book, like the audible just came out for it mm. by putting out reels, like every single day for the last two years, but like whatever, whatever it takes, that's what I want to do because I think this is such a, a, a method that people have never heard of and they don't even understand how simplistic it can be because at the end of the day, like, Mike, I know you like to nerd out on this shit. Like you seem to like Huberman. You, you, you're working with the stoic dad as a trainer. Like, I know you like this stuff. There's a lot of people who don't like this. They don't want to talk about hip angles on a, during a Romanian deadlift. They don't want to compare Bulgarian split squat, one rep maxes, right? They want to hang out with their family and they want to make a lot of money. And that's a lot of the people I talk to. So if I can get them out of their own heads about fitness and nutrition, which is occupying this gigantic space Huge and they don't space. give a shit about it, then, then like now they have all this time, um, energy, and just like emotional, emotional availability to put towards the things that are actually important to them. Yeah, at the end of the day, thing. one of the best things about being in shape is it saves you a ton of time. Right. And that's just like, that's real. That's one thing I'll say too, like on and fully admit as a person that tracks all that stuff. And I do nerd out on this stuff. If I, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would probably have gone down the, the rabbit hole and the entrepreneurial route of what you do. 
but I enjoy it. So I do nerd out on it. But at the same time, it does take a lot of mind space up in my head. And even, even though I'm listening to podcasts because I enjoy it, it still takes up brain pay, brain power that I could otherwise be using on something else, right? And then you do fall into this trap. I can I can relate to what you were saying before is if I don't hit my macros one day, it's like, well, pff, screw it. I already blew through my macros. I'm done. I'm gonna I'm gonna eat everything today now because I'm I'm all done with it. So I do appreciate that framework uh, that you can that you've created. If we could break it down I, to you you mentioned before we touch on the framework and kind of some actionable steps that somebody can take from this podcast and, and go forward and just kind of this low hanging fruit. I want to touch on, you mentioned walking and um, you've been talking about this for a couple of years now, uh, whether it's, you know, incline walking on the treadmill or literally like going for a walk out and around the neighborhood, kind of just how it's so underrated. I wrote down a question about like, what is the most underrated health tip that you have? Is walking the most underrated thing that somebody can do for their health, or is there something else? And or, um, how important is walking in somebody's regimen? You know, at, as a, a entrepreneur trying to get fit, get healthy. All all my underrated health tips are just like the most boring things. One of my core values in my program is called Master the Mundane. So I'll tell you what my three are in here in a second. But I did want to go back real quickly to like the brain space thing, because like you and I, this takes up a lot of our like brain space for us. We like this stuff. Like I remember when I was, when I was unhappy with my body, how much space it took up in my head to feel like those feelings of being like, of having less value not feeling good, having low confidence. What if I have to take my shirt off? What are they going to think? Mm. How much that took? And I've never been on like the obese side of things. I was skinny yeah. fat didn't like how I looked, so I can, I can appreciate that. But like all these successful entrepreneurs who are now have to lose like 40, 50, 60 pounds, like. I can't imagine how much more effective they would be, how much better they would feel, how much more confidence they would bring to like the leadership that they would exhibit by actually getting this under control. And like, that's, I think that is the, like the, the crux of the matter is that it's not about weight loss. It's about who you become in the process. So right. thanks for coming to my Ted talk on that. Love it. Underrated health tips. Yeah. Walking is number one. Um, there's an Ayurvedic principle called a hundred steps. It's a, actually a word I can't pronounce or something, but basically their idea is, in in this practice is after you eat a meal you go walk a hundred steps that's all that's all it takes and the idea behind this is is that you improve your digestion you actually partition the nutrients that you just ate better into muscle rather than into fat and you can help help facilitate a like a better healthier digestive process yeah beyond that even just a 10 minute walk can actually improve what are called nk cells natural killer cells which is what you can get like an infusion of if you had covid if I like really bad COVID. Um, so you get an infusion of this, but you can literally get more of them by your body just generating them from a 10 minute walk outdoors. Hmm. So like from an immune boosting standpoint, walking is incredible. Yeah. And then also like walking is just a, usually a better use of cardio because I consider it cardio, but I also consider it recovery. Whereas if you go for a run, you go on a rower, you're doing a salt bike or something like that. It's cardio, it's good, but it also costs you. There's a cost associated with it. It'll spike your cortisol levels. There's a little bit of a stress response. Not saying that's bad, but if you have a really stressful life, you're driving two hours to and from job sites each day, you got a stressful home life, you're not sleeping enough, then adding in a 90 minute cardio session on there, that's not serving you. Right. So what I love about walking is that you get not only the cardio benefits, you also get the recovery benefits. You get to pay, you get paid in two different ways on walking. My other two are, are again, just so freaking boring. It's just got to drink a little bit more water. 
you got to do a little better sleep. Yeah. So underrated. But if you can get those, then I can get, I can like, then we can talk about supplements. We can talk about cool exercises and all that, like all the fun shit. But until you do like the free stuff, you like, there's no point in doing an infrared sauna. Yeah. And that's what I find too. I see, especially in kind of the circles that we tend to run with too, because it tends to be a, uh, an entrepreneur who's probably a little bit more on the successful side, which means they maybe have a little bit more discretionary income to just blow on stuff. Right. So like, as I'm holding up my whoop strap, I know you have trackers and, and, uh, you got the aura ring on right now. And you know, I, there, these guys will, they'll buy every supplement under the sun. They'll take every shot. They'll do every new, whatever's coming out, but they don't go for a walk. Right. They, they don't, they literally don't drink more than 30 ounces of water a day. If they, if, if that, like most of these, most people I talk to, they're like, like when the last time you had a glass of water, they're like, I don't know, last Tuesday, right? what'd you have today? They're like 16 cups of coffee. Yeah. So it's like this low hanging fruit, this, like the, going back to your, your definition of excellence, it's the consistency piece, right? But it's also the consistency in the boring and mundane stuff, mastering the mundane. It's super it's super boring. But then once you dial that in and once you start tracking those things and measuring it so that you can make these small tweaks to see how you're doing, then throw in the supplements, then throw in all the other stuff on top of that because you've already moved the needle. You know, I always like to like it's it's really easy to go from zero to eighty percent. And then you're trying to go from eighty to a hundred percent. And really we never get to a hundred. So because you're always moving the target down the down the field, so to speak, right? So you're really probably trying to go from like 80 to 92%. And that last 12% is so much harder than the first 80. But I find totally. that guys are trying to go from 80 to 92 before they even went from zero to 80. 100%. I 100% agree with you. What's your HRV last night? The HRV 67. check. 67. 67? Yeah. Bro, get on the 102 train. Well, so it's really crazy is now that we'll sit here and talk, I got... So Tyler Dickerhoof, who is in the front row dads, he, um, it's interesting to see how the HRV of people ranges like big time. And then also, so like for me, I had a 94% recovery last night in my sleep. If you see on wow. my loop here, I was 94%, nice. um, got eight hours exactly of sleep. My HRV was 67. And, um, but what's crazy is like 67 for some people, for you, that would be awful. But I also see some people who are in the 40s who get green results as well. So HRV really varies a ton. It's really mm -hmm. wild. It's one of those. And I feel like it's always it's... lower for females than it is for males. Is what it seems to be. Hey, um, I want to yeah. I, I want to circle this back to this recovery piece. But I also we've talked for maybe like 20 minutes about this framework <laughs> that you've created, but not actually spit out like what the framework is, right? Or maybe some of the simple steps that somebody can take to be like, Hey, um, I really am not a fan of what I look like when I look in the mirror. I also don't have very good energy balance throughout the day. And for, as an entrepreneur or somebody who's in a high level, C level, C level position, energy is everything because you got to have energy all day at work. And then you got to have That's another core map value of mine. Energy is everything. Like literally verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Master mundane energy is everything. 1% better. Uh, uh, and there's other ones too. As It'll if be I, inevitable. As if I already read it. But what, like, where, where does a person start, Nate? Where, obviously, let's say, you know, I haven't read your book yet. I just found out about the low carb hustle and Nate Palmer. Where would you direct somebody to begin to start this process? 
Well, I feel like we're doing a great job by like by talking about this great framework that's going to be so amazing and change your life. And uh, you have to go buy something to go get it. It's <laughs> so I was thinking. and then and then here's and then here's the better thing is like I kind of screwed this up a little bit. I actually gave the framework out, but I should have in the book talked about how amazing the framework was, and then been like, but you have to get my program to get it. Or right? the next book, the framework will actually be in the next book, and then in that yeah. book will be the program as well. I. I screwed up big time by actually putting it in. Yeah, but, but you're taking the jab, jab, to... jab, right hook approach, man. You give out a lot of great <laughs> stuff on on Instagram. I'll tell you what. There's. I don't know if I have a, a right hook yet. I feel like I'm just keep jabbing. You're just jabbing. Like anyone else want to get hit? Yeah. With this now. Perfect. Um, if you want to grab the book though, it is on Amazon. It just went up on Audible, so you can check it out there. But also, you can get it for free if you wanted the ebook or the the Kindle version. Uh, you can go to getnatesbook.com, download it. It's about a four hour read three hours, three and a half hours on the audible, something like that. Right. That um, but the, the framework is, is simple, right? It's set. There's seven, what I call daily investments. Cause obviously I think as entrepreneurs, we think in terms of investments, investing in ourselves, investing in our business and well, um, and three of those are going to be breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So it's really only four extra things. So the first one is an AM, AM routine. And I know that we all have AM routines. I've done a lot of them. I've done this Hal Elrod savers. I've done the perfect day formula by Craig Ballantyne. I've created like variations of these on my own. Mine right now is completely different than it was a year ago. Um, but like, you know, I think like Bruce Lee said, take what is useful, absorb, uh, discard what is not, and add what is uniquely your own. So, you know, like this will change over time. But what I've done is I've distilled the AM routine down into the two most important things that I think everybody needs to do. And you can always stack stuff on top of this. By the way, if you're like a 22 year old life coach with like blue light blocker glasses trying to tell me that I need to do 90 minutes of hot yoga, and drink like a Peruvian grape juice smoothie with like forty dollars worth of rare ingredients before uh, six a.m. You can go fuck yourself. This is really, like this is the real life. This is like the three minute version. First thing is you wake up, sixty seconds of explosive exercise. So do sixty jumping jacks. Very easy. Shadow boxing. Don't get caught by your wife. She will make fun of you. <laughs> She's like, "What are you doing?" You're like, "Nothing, honey." Morning routine. I had to go to the closet. And then drink 32 ounces of water, right? So we get we wake your central nervous system up. We shift you into a from a parasympathetic like sleepy mode into a sympathetic nervous system dominance, which that's like that's like shake and bake. Some people like call it fight or flight. I don't think that's that. We don't need to go that far, but like you're up, you're at them, you're ready to go, and it's gonna wake you up way more than like getting a pot of coffee going and pounding it. Then we drink a bunch of water because if you're if you're not hydrated in the morning, you're not going to a burn as much fat. B, be able to lift as much weight or C, just have the energy you need. Hmm. Did you know that, Mike, that a 3% decrease in hydration can cause up to a 30% decrease in strength in the gym? No, I thought it was 2.7, but I, I didn't know it was three. That's yeah, crazy. So you're, I mean, you were real close. <laughs> no, I didn't know. I didn't know that at all. So that's like, that's mine that's right now. 10X. I will, I will, um, I'll do breath work after this. So I've been doing like a, I've been kind of doing like 10 minutes and then trying to get a little bit longer as I go, but I'll do like a. So nice slow and low breath work, and I'll end with a Wim Hof round or two. Um, I add that on top. It's not part of the the paired, or it's not part of the framework. Okay. But, but I thought you might want to know. Yeah. Um, then the the second thing is have a high protein, high fat breakfast. So protein shake with peanut butter in it, eggs and eggs and avocados, anything like that's gonna be great. It's gonna give you, it's gonna get you nice, like satiety. So you're gonna be full. You're gonna have nice stable blood sugar. You're not gonna be spiking up and down, cause that 10:30 a.m. crash or where you want that donut, you're not gonna crash at 2 p.m. Second one is gonna, or the third one is gonna be have a lunch that's high protein, high vegetable, okay? Again, just giving your body the the fuel it needs, but eating really, really light during the day. If you can mm. eat super light all day, 
you're going to feel a lot better. You're going to have a lot more focus and you're going to avoid the Chipotle burrito syndrome. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You just sit there. You eat the burrito and you want to sleep. You're like, and then you cram two hours worth of work into four hours. Yep. Just completely ineffective. You're like, why am I on, why am I on Facebook again? I don't even have notifications. I'm just here scrolling. Right. You know, and then you start becoming filled with self-loathing. I don't know. That might just be a me thing. Um, Then dinner is high protein, high vegetable and high carb. So we push all of our carbohydrates to the back end of the day. I and mean, this is called carb backloading. It's a something um, I call it glycogen priming. I was just going to say, isn't this glycogen priming? <laughs> yeah, dude. You ever looked it up online? No. Does it say yeah, dash Nate Palmer? Google glycogen priming right now. I mean, I got, can you spell it for me? <laughs> just I will say, hey, while you're just in, in all like kidding aside. Oh, sugar. Oh, no, we're good. Oh, sugar. I'll have him. I thought I clicked end recording. I'll have Kathy edit that out. I will say, all joking aside, though, Nate, you know, um, the high protein, high veggie, high carb for dinner, I started implementing this probably around when maybe I started hearing about it from you. And I didn't do it consistently. But what I realized is actually last night. So I have around 130 carbs per day, 130 to 150. And about 95 of them came at my dinner last night. And I'll tell you what, you saw it on my whoop as I showed it to you earlier as a 94% recovery. I don't think, and and that's been consistent over the past year that I've noticed that on days that I not, um, but not days that I eat a ton of carbs during the day and at night. Right. So it's, it's, I'm saving the carbs for the night. I do notice my body. It it has to like the data doesn't lie. I'm recovering better. So I think that that's something that was a, um, a small little twist for me. It's I can eat the same 130 carbs throughout the day or any time of the day. But when I backload them, when I glycogenly prime myself, um, (laughs) it does work for me. I can tell you that hundred percent by looking at my whoop data. Well, like it's the same, it's the opposite effect that you, that the, uh, the 60 seconds of explosive exercise has all day long. We've been going, 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 pushing like podcasting meetings, being on, trying to be in that flow state. So like when it comes time to like be, be at night and we go watch something like crazy on Netflix and we're like, guess I'll go to sleep now. Like we're like, we're just always in that, like that highly aroused state, mm-hmm. you know? And so what we want to do is use our dinner as a way to shift into that back into that parasympathetic nervous system dominance. So by eating higher carbs, what's going to happen is your blood sugar is going to spike and then you're going to get that drop in energy levels. You're going to feel more lethargic because like after you finish Thanksgiving dinner, your son's like, dad, let's go play basketball. Are you like, yeah, let's go run around. Or are you like, actually, we need to watch Detroit lose on, on uh, TNF. Sunday. Right. Exactly. Yeah. By the way, natetrainingsystems.com is the number one Google search for glycogen priming in case anybody was wondering. It used to have my picture on it. It doesn't have it anymore. It's too so bad. 60 seconds of explosive exercise straight into 32 ounces of water, high protein, high fat breakfast, high protein, high veggie lunch, high protein, high veggie, high carb dinner. What's next? Uh, one gallon of water per day, 32 ounces in the morning counts. So try to get that, like try to get three quarters of it done. So try to get, what is it? 96 ounces done before like four o'clock. So that way you're not peeing all day. And if you are peeing all day, you just need more electrolytes. So get okay. some element or get some relight electrolytes, zero sugar. Then um, we want to train for 20 minutes. We want to make sure we're moving around, training, walking, 
30, 15, three on the treadmill, hitting a strength training workout, whatever that looks like for you. I don't even just like, I'm such a, I'm a huge training nerd. I love this. That's how I started this. I think everyone should be strength training, but what I've realized is that you don't need to strength train to get results. I have a lot of people who just walk and they don't even walk that fast. And they just, and they still, by using the nutrition, by getting some movement in, they're getting results. You know, are they going to have amazing shoulders and abs? Probably not, but they're losing weight. They're feeling better. Their energy's up. Win, huge win. And then the last is, one is the, what I call the final deposit. What were you going to say? Is 20 minutes uh, a minimum effective dose for that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think you should be like, if you can do it an hour, it's kind of like where, where I like to be, whether it's yep. you're walking or, or moving or something like that. But okay. again, like what is the smallest level of things that we can do to still see results? That's why the morning routine is just so simplistic. It's just these two little things. And if you want to do some journaling, boom, add that in there. You want to do some meditation, add that in there. But you got to do those two first. Got it. And the last one I call the final deposit. Basically, it's writing down the three critical tasks that you need to do for tomorrow or in the morning, you can do it for the day. Because one of the things I think is very important about having an AM routine and, and doing some of these, in, like, these daily investments is that we're always casting a vote for who we're becoming, right? So we can be conscious about this and actually drive ourselves towards the human that, be, that being that we want to be, or we can be unconscious and end up wherever the fuck we end up and just be like, I guess, I guess we're here now, you know? And that never works out for me. If I'm very intentional about it, if I write down, hey, tomorrow I need to hit my workout, I need to do some meal prep, and I need to, to hit a, a podcast with a man, Mike Higgins, like I know what is going to comprise a win for me, right? Me again, cutting in here and just wanted to remind you that if you haven't already done so, go over to UYEClarityTool.com and pick up your free copy of our brand new Clarity Tool exclusively for Unlock Your Excellence podcast listeners. While you're there, you can also register for one of our free bi-weekly masterminds where we dive deep into this four-part framework where you will be surrounded with other hard-charging, entrepreneurial-minded people who are on a common pursuit of excellence like yourself. Again, head on over to UYEClarityTool.com and we'll see you there. Maybe that's like pick your kids up from school. Maybe it's fill out a proposal for a client. Maybe it's write out, write out these 16 emails. Whatever that looks like for you, we want to make sure that you're moving in the direction of your goals and, and writing down these like one to five things essentially forces you to get crystal clear on what is going to move the needle for you in your life and your business. So I think that like all of this stuff is designed at clarification and eliminating a lot of decision fatigue that comes with being an entrepreneur, right? Right. If you know what your breakfast is, if you, if you drink a protein shake for breakfast, 90% of the time, you don't have to stress about it. I have nine of these shirts. I've got nine black built shirts because I don't have to worry about what I'm going to put on when I wake up in the morning. I don't want to like, I don't want my shirt to cause me undue duress where I'm like, I don't know what color goes my pants. I don't know. They're black pants too. It looks like it's going to be another black on black day. You know, so like as long as we can just eliminate some of these like these things that are like minutia don't really matter and focus all of our attention on the things that do matter. Like I was saying earlier, if we can eliminate the like the stress that comes with deciding on breakfast, our lives are going to be so much easier because we've right. been so ruthless in, in eliminating that like those little stressors that add up. So that training. So two questions that come out of this really awesome framework is the training for 20 minutes, the minimum effective dose. What time of day does that have to be um, for training? I'm thinking, you know, like somebody like me who gets started early in the day, I'm usually training by 530 in the morning. But there's some people who don't train till uh, the afternoon, who can't train till after work. There's some people who like to hit it in the middle of their day. 
does it matter when your training is and when it in when it if it doesn't land exactly in that part of the daily framework yeah if you don't if you don't train at 11:37 mountain standard time it's it's not going to work out null you. and void got it yeah no like like yes there are there better times of day to train yes i'm told that after 3 hours after you wake up and 11 hours after you wake up your body's actually its strongest okay maybe sure i'm not a professional athlete it doesn't really matter no one's like hey how much do you deadlift they're like ooh 300 pounds so strong right so like so so the best time of day to train is the time that you can realistically get it done so a lot of entrepreneurs that needs to be first thing in the morning because all day long we're putting out fires our day doesn't belong to us after the kids wake up that sort of thing some of us like we can sneak out at lunchtime and, and get it done i prefer like a one o'clock workout if i can get it like all things considered that's like that's my favorite time to train um and then do like a later lunch but i don't get that very often so if i do it's it's a bonus and if not it is what it is um so wherever you can get it in is totally fine but i also recommend not doing it after dinner because uh, that kind of defeats the glycogen priming you want to be able to right. like get all through all your movement your training all that stuff and then have your meal and then also like i don't love when you like work all day train until 9 p.m and then eat at 10 p.m that's a good way to set yourself up for a, a lower key night of sleep yeah what i found for sleep and i want to circle back to something about the the food intake but I, what i realized with sleep is i'll i'll go to bed around n between 9 and 10 is probably when i'll fall asleep and i had noticed a significant increase in my sleep quality when i stop eating around 6 or 6 30. so you're looking at about three hours prior to me falling asleep it's almost guaranteed as long as i'm not getting sick that my sleep quality is going to be significantly better add that add to that i should say no sugar throughout the day or very limited sugar, right? Not going crazy on the sugar and add to that no type of alcohol before uh, for that day. Like I don't, I don't really drink, but you know, you occasionally have the glass of wine when you go out to eat or whatever. Those are three things that I noticed without a shadow of a doubt affect the quality of my sleep. So it's not just the same eight hours that you get every single night. The quality matters. And when, like you just mentioned, not eating so close to bedtime absolutely it it ruins your quality of sleep because your body has to focus on digesting all that food instead of instead of getting into a place where it can restore itself is that is that pretty fair to say that that's a blanket statement across all people yes and i i didn't necessarily used to agree with that but i i've been using the lumen like the metabolism tracker for a oh, little yeah, bit just the, testing okay. some stuff out and I found that, so basically what happens is I wake up in the morning and I breathe into this device that tells me on a scale of one to five, one being hundred percent fats, five being hundred percent carbs, what am I burning as fuel right now? And the three things that were the biggest factor for me in terms of figuring out how do I burn more fat, especially during the nighttime was number one related to how late did I eat? If I'm eating, if I'm eating like, cause I normally eat at like, like done by seven with the kids and then, um, go to bed around 10. So again, like three hours. If I ate after 8 PM, my, I would go up towards more carb burning, less fat burning. Um, then the second one I was eating too frequently during the day. If I was constantly eating, having six small meals per day, that would stay a lot more elevated. I'd be in a carb burning mode for a lot longer. And the third was dehydration. If I was dehydrated, I wasn't getting a full gallon in. And sometimes for me, dehydrated is a gallon. Like I need to drink a gallon and a half, especially in Arizona during the summers. Yeah. 
uh, and or or just have more electrolytes, so I'm actually staying hydrated. So any of those things going on, that then I was going to be waking up in more of the carb burn, and and it took me a longer time to get to the fat burn. Fat burn really happens when your stomach's empty, your body's not moving through and processing stuff out and digesting, and they actually pull from stored fats. So that's why fasting is a really great call because not not only because of the autophagy and a lot of these fringe benefits, but because it allows your body to actually be in a place where it can burn more fat. So spending like more time not eating between meals mm. is a great way. It's, it's so simple, right? But we've been led to believe that six meals per day is the optimal for human health, which by the way, do you know where that, that myth comes from? Uh, probably the cereal companies or some type of food company. I don't know. That's so close. No one's ever gotten that before. Really good guess. Do I win the $1 game show? Low carb? You do. Okay. You? No. Sorry. Dang it. Well, I'll ask you a question about '90s hip hop here in a second. We'll see if you we'll see if you get that done. Where does that come from, though? It's got to be somewhere Metrics. food related. Where? Metrics, the MetRx like okay. supplement company. So, like in the early '90s, they came out with a supplement uh, gotta protein keep powder. The fire burning. You got to keep it. You know, it's like a fire. You got to keep putting logs on the fire and eat every six you gotta hours. Got to stoke your metabolic furnace, right? Mm. Do you know what that? Do you know what a metabolic furnace is? Something that MetRx made up. Yeah, I don't like. I don't know. That's not a thing. I've never heard of that. Before. So actually, opposite of what people think, it's it, the space. Because that was actually gonna be one of my questions around food. The space between your meals longer is actually better for most situations, probably. Right? If you're if you're DK Metcalf and you're training eight hours a day in the in the like in the NFL, you can eat whatever you want whenever you want to, and it's no big deal. For all of us who we sit at desks, you know, we we're like we're doing a lot of mental work. We're not necessarily out in, like digging holes. It, this matters. This is a big yeah. deal. Yeah. So if we can spend more time not eating, it's gonna it's gonna feel a lot better. So when Metrics came out with that uh, the protein supplement, they were like, mm, you need three meals, but also three protein shakes per day. And everyone's like, ooh, protein shakes taste so, like chalk. So what would happen if a person works out early in the morning, like we mentioned before, like most entrepreneurs? but then doesn't have that breakfast and just goes straight into lunch. Is that cause an issue as long caveat, as long as you're getting the proper protein intake for the day? Cause I would assume that's probably one of the underlying things that we need to have enough protein. I used to believe that if you trained and with, and within an hour of after training, you didn't consume like a protein shake or something like that, that all your gains would evaporate. Turns yeah. out that's not exactly true, but you do want to be able to have consumed a like a, a meal with protein in it four hours or sooner before your training session or within four hours after your training session. Okay. If you're not going to get that, if you're doing it on a fasted day, it's okay because there's supplements that can help you with this. Uh, branched chain amino acids or essential amino acids are both great options. They're zero calories. So if you want to stay fasted, uh, but they're going to give your body the amino acids to keep from becoming catabolic or breaking down muscle fibers for for nutrition. So you do want to make sure that you're getting some sort of amino acids in your system four hours on either side. So if I'm fasting, what I'll do is I'll put I'll take aminos before my workout and I'll take them after my workout. Got it. Well, I want to talk about the elephant in the room here with your food intake: high protein, high fat, high veggie, high carb. But Nate, we didn't. You didn't tell anybody how many calories they should be eating in a day based on how much they weigh. So like, how do I figure this out? That can't you gotta be multiply your body weight by the sum of your height to waist ratio in metric. And do that in an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. And you have to track it over time. No. So I don't tell people how much to eat, honestly, because here's, here's why. 
because it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with like white knuckling stuff, right? And if you have 1800 calories and, and 150 of it has to be protein, 150 of it is carbs, and then like 76 grams of fats, and you're like, oh, I'm measuring this and you're weighing this and stuff, all of a sudden now, like you're not necessarily listening to your body, you're listening to my fitness pal, and you're just trying to plug stuff in. And so like, that's the problem I have with like the, if it fits your macros movement, because they were like, I eat pizza and cinnamon rolls. And I was like, shut up, dude, you're 22. It doesn't matter what you right. ate. Right. You know, when I was 22, I ate cigarettes and vodka and I looked great as hell. So like, I don't need it. I don't need to hear your opinion. So like what we're trying to do with the, with the like glycogen priming and, and carb backloading is start understanding and listening to our body's natural biorhythms. And so I, a lot of people struggle with this because for so long, they're like fist of protein, palm of all palm of carbs, whatever else you gotta eat this many calories, this many grams of protein. And while tracking does have a place, I say mostly don't track because just to be a little controversial, we want to be able to listen to our body's natural, natural, like voice. We want to mm. become what's called ghrelin sensitive. Ghrelin is the hunger hormone. And so many of us are, have this muted response to it. So like, you know, have you ever been there where you're like, you don't sleep very well and you wake up and you're hungry all day. Yeah. Most of us live in that state where we just have low energy. We're not sleeping right. We're using stimulants and we just are hungry all the time. So we're never really getting an accurate like feel for what we need. So the goal for this is by eliminating some of these processed sugars, by, by keeping our blood sugar stable all day, when it comes time for dinner and you're having potatoes, chicken thighs, and like a salad or something like that. And your body's like, yo, let's get some more. I want you to go get seconds because you're feeding your body such high quality, nutrient dense foods, which by the way, I, I hate the terms clean and dirty. Um, I like, mm. let's talk more about nutritious food. Let's talk about nutrient dense. Yeah. So when you, when you're getting to that point and your body's like, we need more food, I want you to be able to like, yes, I do need more food. And when your body's like, actually, we're not hungry for lunch today. You're like, all right, we're not getting lunch then. It doesn't matter. And so we can start listening to our actual body's needs rather than being like, you know, bound and determined to always eat 1,850 calories every single day, because that's, that's not what's going to like, you're not going to track all the time. You're not going to track when you're in Cancun on vacation, but you can still follow the framework when you're in Cancun on, on vacation, because guess right. what? Tacos are a perfect, a perfect dinner for carb backloading. Exactly. Well, one thing too, that I also, for me, that's been really helpful is reframing the way that I see things when they come up or feel things. And an example of that would be when I'm starting to feel hungry, instead of like mentally telling myself, I'm feeling hungry, I need to eat. I actually have just kind of reframed that as like, okay, my body's burning fat right now. I can feel that I'm going to take some water. And when I eat, I'll, I'll eat when it's time to eat or when I'm home to eat or whatever. I won't, I won't reach for that snack. So that's something else that I think has been really important for me is just how I reframe how that feels, because I think a lot of people are afraid to feel a little bit hungry and actually feeling hungry is not that bad of a thing. And a little bit of hungry, a little bit of hunger is a good thing because your body's actually burning something. You shouldn't feel full all the time. Would you agree with that? 100%. Yeah. Because if you're feeling full all the time, your body's going to be digesting food. You're going to have be feeling heavier. You're going to feel sluggish and lethargic. Like if you think about it from an evolutionary standpoint, we did not go hunting woolly mammoths when we were like, I'm stuffed, you know? So we went, we went hunting when we were a little bit hungry. So I love your reframe because basically hunger signals, we can actually reframe them as energy signals. When you're yeah. a little bit hungry, you're not hangry, but you're like, you're like, I could eat right now. Just reinterpret that as like, I've got more energy right now. I've got more mental acuity. I can access different parts of my brain. Yeah. And what's crazy is that your hand eye coordination improves when you're a little hungry, your memory retention improves. 
you get a lot of these great neurological benefits because your body's like, you might need some extra juice to go hunting. Here you go. So let's take that juice and run with it. Let's use that to, to have better conversations, better podcasts, sell, like sell more of whatever we're selling, you know, rather than, rather than being like, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten in three or four hours. It's been so long. Cause like no one in this country has really been hungry since like 1942. Right. So yeah. we got to like, yeah, just take like, and then I love that. I love that idea of like, Hey, it's, it's okay to feel a little discomfort too, because I think that that's the main thing that's wrong with people in the U S today. It's not, it's not left versus right. It's not Christian versus whatever. It's, it's that a lot of people are consistently in the pursuit of comfort at expense of all other things. Mm. And when comfort is the, it, when comfort becomes the God, it is very difficult to progress in any meaningful way in your life in your relationships or in your business. Cause everything is so easy right now. Amazon yeah, I mean, prime, more, Netflix, the more comfortable we've gotten as a society, the unhealthier we've gotten. No question, right? No question. Not a question. Hey, I want to dive into, as we're kind of getting close to wrapping up time. Um, I want to dive into the training portion of this a little bit. I think you've, you've done a masterful job of, laying out this framework from a nutrition standpoint. And that is 90% of the equation for most people when it comes to this, right? It's going to, but you are going to have the 10% of people that don't just want to lose the weight on the scale. They also want to have the lean tone, the lean body mass. They want to look good in the mirror. Not to say that you lose 40 pounds, you're not going to look good in the mirror, but there's that next level, right? And that comes from, from training. That comes from the muscle mass that you have on. You've recently, not even recently, it's been a year or more, have gone through a whole body recomposition yourself, which is really cool why I think that you're a great person to talk about this because you've done it. Um, can we talk a little bit about training? And then after that, I want to dive into uh, influencers and, and what you see commonly talked about in the social worlds because a lot of us follow those people. And I know for a fact that a lot of that stuff is maybe not something that people should follow. But as it pertains to training, minimum effective dose for weight-specific training um, on a weekly basis, and what should we be doing? Like, how should we approach that? I think I think you can get away with twice a week with weight training. I think that's probably probably fine. If you're doing twice a week, I would do two full body days. Full body. So, so like focusing on like different aspects of the muscle. So rather than training quads both days, you trade quads one day and then hamstrings and glutes the next, something like that. Right. Um, I think that that's like, that's going to give you some good results. I think you're going to get better results with three days per week. Um, but I honestly think that three days per week can give you better results than even four or five for a lot of people because you're giving yourself plenty of time to rest in between. So I know that when I've gotten some of my best results, it was when I cut my training from six times a week to three times per week. And when you say so, training, you're speaking weight specific weight training. training. Yeah. Most of, I move every single day, regardless, yeah. um, whether that's a walk, getting on my rower, hitting 30, 15, three on the treadmill. But I try to use that as like, a, as a way of balancing out recovery. So I'm not, so it's not actually putting me more in the hole. I want to use that as a way of like recovering from the weight training I'm doing, but I prefer to train four days per week just because it's fun for me. I would probably train five if I, if I knew that I could like get away with it from a recovery standpoint, just because I enjoy it. But I think two, two to four is probably right where most people need to be. And even if you did a, let's say somebody, I think about a, of a, of a regular week, right? If I think of three days per week, somebody very easily could say, I'm going to lift weights on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right? So if you lifted weights on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, could you hit a full body routine each Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or should you go upper, lower, upper maybe, or kind of alternate them? 
or what would be the best way for somebody to do it? I mean, you laid out exactly what you should do for two days a week, but what about three days a week? Because I think that that's probably where most people are going to not only feel comfortable, but also have the best, like, that's what their time will allow for. Yeah, that's my favorite also. I love this one. I don't love a three full body days per week. My favorite is push-pull legs. I love training push-pull legs. Sometimes even if I'm training four days per week, I'll train push-pull legs push. Then I'll train pull legs push-pull. You know what I mean? And rotate through those three. Can we just keep saying push leg pull pull? <laughs> push pull, leg pull, pull leg, leg. leg pull shit. Pulls, push, push. <laughs> that's good. No, that's good. But I'll just really do those good. three in rotation. Because yeah. that's like that is my literal favorite way to train ever. Because that way you're getting like so you'll do like back and then biceps, chest and then triceps, and then lower body. And that's like that's fun. It's easy. You hit the whole body every single week. It's great. Uh, if you're training four days per week, it's it, you can do lot like lower, upper, lower, upper. Oh, but also if you're training three days per week, I like what you said earlier, where you can go like upper, lower, upper, and then next week you do lower, upper, lower, and you kind yeah. of alternate between two lowers and two upper, de depending on the, the week. I believe That's that a was great an old, option also. I believe that was an old body for life reference, that book yeah, back in the day. Yeah, Bill Phillips. Um, no, but what I also, I also want to leave people with too, before we dive into the influencer conversation a little bit, is doing things that you enjoy. I think that's not like we can't overstate that enough because, and, and I look at this through, like, I love to play basketball, right? So my current routine is lift weights Monday, Tuesday, basketball Wednesday, lift weights again Thursday, basketball Friday. Those are my two kind of cardiovascular days. And then Saturday is, is, is weights again, typically a little bit lower intensity. I'll do a lot of like carries and holds mm, and different cool. things like love that. that. But and then, and then Sunday is kind of just like, a, I'll do a walk. And that's my, like you mentioned earlier, getting the cardio, but also getting the recovery. But I think it's really important that people do when it, it's probably easier when it comes to cardiovascular stuff, doing something that you enjoy doing, not just going for a run because you should go for a run, go play pickleball, Ugh. go play basketball, Ugh. go, go do something that you enjoy. Um, yeah. Have you found I'll also that say that like, with like, if you're in your, in your thirties and beyond and you not, you're not a runner, don't go start running for the most part. If you've not really done any athletic pursuits, you're 35 or older, go pick a thing that you can actually get on and use the thing. So like mm -hmm. a bike, a rowing machine, a Versa climber, anything that where your body is not necessarily being put in like into like repetitive pounding impact driven motion is going to be way better for you long-term. So unless you love running, I would, I would highly encourage most people not to go run. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Well, can I, can I talk a little bit more about uh, weight training? Cause I have, I think I have one thing that I, that most people don't do right. hundred percent go. Okay. So I feel like a lot of times we, when we go to do weight training, we're looking at the same program we did in high school or college and we do three by 10 bench press, three by 10 biceps, three by 10 rows. Yes. Uh, and that's not what we want to do. If your program still says three by 10 every single week, then you need to find a new program or fire your coach. Cause that's, that's not like what's going to get you the best results over time. What we wanted to do is, and like, this is like, this is optimal. It'd be, is I like to doing like a pyramid style training and it doesn't have to be always like this, but like doing something where the first two or three sets you're working up to one top end set. So whether that's like, you're going 12, 10, eight, and then a top end set, that's fine. If, if you're going like, six, eight, 10 in the top end set. That's also fine. Uh, it's just kind of like a little difference in philosophy, but the really important thing is that every single workout, like, cause like you ever, like you ever done like squats, you ever done like a five by 10 squat ladder or something like that, Mike. Yeah. And you know how like the last set you're not bringing a hundred percent of your, like your energy there because you're not already burnt out from the first floor. For sure. 
So we, we want to flip that. We want to spend the first three or four sets, whatever it is, as workup sets or warm-up sets. So for example, let's say we do squats with a 135 for 10, and then we do 185 for eight, then we do 225 for six. Then we're going to do as many reps as we possibly can shooting for like, you know, 10-ish reps on that last set, let's say hypothetical numbers, but really the, like all those other sets are like when you're playing poker and you're the small blind and then you're the big blind and then mm. you pay to see the flop and then your friend goes all in and you, and like, and you're like, ah, I guess I'll fold. No, the last set is where we get to see all the cards. And so if you, if you stop, you know, like, let's say it says 10 reps, you do 10 reps. You could have gotten 12, 12. Yep. We didn't do anything. That whole workout is now for nothing. Yeah. You've done, you've gotten tired. You've done a few reps of things, but you didn't accomplish anything. Mm. Like you got to think about it like that. Like all of the work you're putting in goes towards the last four reps of your first, of your last set. Those are the only important reps of that entire exercise. And most people don't get there because they don't know how to push themselves. So think about the first three, two, three, four sets as workup sets to figure out where you're at, how the work, how the lift feels. And then on that last set, going to technical failure be safer on like deadlifts and squats and stuff like that. But if you're getting to like the end of a bicep curl and you need to do a little of this to get up there, that's what we're looking for. Mm. You need to go all the way to the point where your mu muscles are basically giving you like the, like they're tapping out. They're like, we're done. We can't do anymore because at that point you're going to start seeing growth in a way that you've never experienced before, but your muscles will not grow unless you give them a reason to. And the only reason your muscles are going to grow is if they think not growing is potentially going to kill you because it's much easier for muscles to stay in homeostasis and stay the same all the time than to, than to get bigger and stronger. It's an expensive process to grow muscles. So you must focus on those last few reps of your final set. So like when people, sometimes people will do my workouts and they won't watch like the videos and like the, like the tutorial on how to actually knock this out. And they go, your workout was way too hard. I don't know how anyone could do it. And I'm like, well, you try to do max reps at 12, max reps at 10, max reps at eight, then max reps at 10 again. Of course you're gonna be tired. Right. But if you take this philosophy, you're going to improve week over week. You're going to see gains that you've never seen before. And you're going to stay very, very safe when you do it. So regardless if you use pyramid reverse pyramid or whatever that looks like for you, making sure that that final set is where you really make all your money that is going to serve you so well when it comes to training for the next 20 years, 30 mm. years. That's a great tip. And one thing that I've fallen, um, fallen into before is because it says set of 10 on that last set doing 10, but you know that you had three, four, five left in the tank. Cause maybe you just didn't pick the right weight or maybe you were feeling good that day. Right. Cause you do 185 one day, but then you go in the next day and 185 kind of feels a little bit, maybe not the actual next day, but the next time you do that exercise, right. Yep. 185 feels a little bit light and you're like, man, I hammered out those 10. That was easy. But you're saying in those moments where it's like, yeah, and go to technical failure, your perceived effort of nine or 10 out of 10, right? Where you can't get any more within safe precautions. So that 185 reps of 10, maybe you could have got 13 and the actual growth would have happened from 10 to 13 and you're missing yep. out on that opportunity. Yep. Like yesterday I was doing, I did chess. So I was doing chess flies because I'm, I like to bro out. And like, so I also like what well, you said, like what gets measured, get managed. I track all my workouts in this app. So this is what I the app I give my clients. I make sure that we see progress over time. So it's not just like you're doing the same 60 pound dumbbells, every single exercise, every single set you go to, we got to make sure that you saw, we saw a 60 and you got one more rep or five more pounds than last time. So I was doing this. I was supposed to get 12 reps with 28 pounds on my chest flies. I was using a little bit of a different machine, 
but I got to 12 and I was like, oh no. And I got to 15, then I got to 18, then I got to 21. And I went to 28 before I was like, before I was done. Mm. And I was A, annoyed that I picked the wrong weight, obviously. But B, like I was absolutely cooked by the time I was finished right. it. And I know that if I had stopped at 10, it that whole exercise, all three sets I did with that would have not mattered one bit. Yeah. And not to mention the fact that you just like, at 28 reps, it almost turns into a cardiovascular event as well. Cause you're, yeah. you're going, I was very sad. I was like, oh, this really hurts. Hey, I want to, I want to be respectful of your time and I want to wind this thing down, uh, for all of our listeners as well. But I feel like we have to touch on one, th why I wanted to bring this up, just some influencer talk, right? Because you are a quote unquote influencer in the space of fitness and one that I would trust everything that you see, like Nate's not out here selling all these gimmicks and stuff. He has a book, right? That he's giving away for free. Let's do the ROI on that. He's not making much on a free book that he just gave you. Okay. But buy my shake weight though. And you'll, well, and what I wanted to talk forever. about was like in, in the entrepreneurial space, talking to guy, I hear guys that are in our circles talking about TRT, right? Some, some testosterone and you see other influencer out, out there. And I, I really appreciate Derek from more plates, more dates talking about like, he'll, he'll do deep dives on these people that are uh, maybe saying one thing and not admitting to what they're actually taking. And you'll see the guy who plays Thor, for example, right? Like he has a fitness app and he's like, you can get built like Thor, but it's like, okay, but actually the real Thor is taking TRT and insane, he's say, taking thousands of dollars of, of steroids every month to be able to look like Thor. His training program is not going to get you there. So, and also his training program is like five sets of 25 bicep curls, right? Like that doesn't like, that doesn't work for normal humans. So and also if I was Thor, I would be taking thousands of dollars of steroids. Also like 0% chance I wouldn't be correct. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah, I'm glad you said that I'm not condemning people for doing it, but what, what I also want people to realize is because it took me a while to realize this is what we are chasing as an entrepreneur or somebody that's trying to uh, attain an ideal physique is unattainable without the means that that person is taking to get that physique. Does that make sense? So Absolutely. it's very easily for me to go on uh, on Instagram or TikTok or one of these platforms and see these people talking about this three by 12 or just doing this thing. Well, yeah, you're, you're loaded with testosterone two times as much as I even have in my body, but nobody knows that. Right. So, um, what, like, I just want to talk a little bit about like what to be careful for when it comes to what we see as influencers on, or what we see influencers talking about on, um, social media and outside of yourself, who are some of your favorite follows maybe to talk about? Because, um, I definitely want people leaving this realizing that they can have like the goals that they can have are actually attainable. And I don't want them to get frustrated by following the wrong people and just giving up on their goals. Mm, yeah. That was a good lot. One. So, so I, um, first, first part of that question was what's attainable or what to watch out for. I forgot. Um, I, so I feel like, <laughs> what to watch feel out like for? <laughs> there's, there's some wisdom in star Wars when they say only a Sith speaks in absolutes. Uh, and yeah. I think that like a lot of times when you're seeing someone and they're like, oh yeah, that's shit. And this, this thing that I have a vested interest in telling you about is the thing, right? Which is why I hate like the forks over knives. Like, you know, yes, like great job producing that and selling your, like your, uh, 
like plant-based protein powder, like James Cameron. Thank you so much for that. You know, like, so it, when, when you see people who have a vested interest in selling you something, which is like, you know, like, like you're saying, I appreciate you saying that. Like, I don't have like a fat loss supplement to sell you. I don't have like an, uh, anything that's like, Hey, if you just, if you just do Bowflex three times a day, like that's how people got results. Like when you look at, when you look at something that's obviously too good to be true. And here's, here's my test. I call it the monkey brain test. I don't know if you heard my podcast recently with a guy named Brian Cron, who's a great follow for tra- all things training. He's just a, he's just a G. Um, but basically in the seventies, there was a, a bodybuilder who was sneaking into Reese's monkey labs and getting the brain, the Reese's monkey brains and eating them in order to have just a smidge more HGH in his body. Hmm. So when someone's like, all you need is this shake weight. All you need is the total gym, Chuck Norris. All you need is this one supplement to look like me. You can think to yourself, if if it was only about having a little bit more saturated fat or doing a longer eccentric on your rep or doing whatever this like simple thing is that you're that you're peddling, having more fiber in your diet, don't you think someone would have done that before they went out of their way to to eat Reese's monkey brains? <laughs> Successfully excluded, right? We look at the if we look at like the like the the biggest most like leanest people in the world, we're looking at like professional bodybuilders. And if they're not doing that, if you don't see a bodybuilder sitting on a total gym, probably not working to be honest with you. So like success leaves a lot of clues. So I think watching what, like, like not just what people like say they're going to do, but like my, my least favorite is the calisthenics, the guys who are clearly on gear who are like, yeah, first you do five sets of 10 pull-ups. Then you do five sets of chin chin ups. Then you do five sets of wide pull-ups. Then you do five sets of like, and then you're like, Ain't no one doing a hundred. You just did 130 sets in your gym session. Nobody can recover from that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, don't like, and don't tell me that's how you built your body too. And they're like, yeah, I only need a six carrots a day. And you're like, that's not what happened. (laughs) I'm a vegetarian bodybuilder. You weren't always a vegetarian bodybuilder, bro. You got a, you got a bunch of steak in there. Don't lie to me. Right. So I think that just kind of like carrying a healthy skepticism. And then also I think like, like we talked about excellence at the beginning of the podcast is the person consistent? Are they saying the same thing week over week, year over year? Are they practicing what they preach? Like, I feel like it's almost like my obligation to stay in as good a shape as I can to showcase to clients what is possible because I need to be 1% better than everyone else I'm coaching. And I don't know if right. that's a misguided belief or not, but I want to like be the person I'm like, like I haven't missed a workout, Mike, in seven years. And yeah, I've had the experience where you were like, I was sick and I woke up and I didn't want to go and I didn't end up going, but I did it later on in the week or whatever else. But I've not missed a workout or like pushed it off since like December, 2015. So it's like, I want to showcase like, Hey, this is what's possible with just like absolute consistency, absolute dedication. And here's what you, here's where you can like, here's where you can go given enough time and energy and effort. Yeah. I also think that was like, I can help people. Like it took me a long time to get to the place where I'm at right now, but I can get someone to where I am in two and a half years. So really shortcut the process. Well, still, again, the, two and a half years. I'm not selling a 30 day cleanse. Right. Well, that's the other thing is, I'm a 30 is day cleanse. two, two things I want to kind of wrap up with is walking the walk, right? Like, so that's one of the things is like, uh, I see a lot of trainers, even in my own gym that I work out at that are training people that don't like don't look like they could train themselves right They're, they don't walk the walk and um now that's not always the case right because you don't know everybody's story and they've maybe come a long way True. and there's absolutely True. some of that but 
you can, when you've been around it long enough, you can kind of know when somebody's just in it for the paycheck and in it for, you know, actually following their, their stuff. The other thing is like, you have walk the walk. You consistently do stay one, two, three steps ahead of everybody that you're training. You don't claim also to know it all. What That's the other thing I love about you is that you are also always open to learning new things because what you believed four years ago is not the same as what you believe now and what you believe four years from now will not be what you believe today. Now, some of those things will stay true. They'll stay within there, but you're always open to learning more more uh, as new science emerges, right? Not the science, but new science emerges. You're willing to jump on those bandwagons and, and, and ultimately you try it out first. And I want to leave people to know that they can work with you specifically. You don't always just have to, the old model of, hey, I go to my gym, there's a trainer in my gym, I have to work with that trainer. That's kind of an archaic model, right? Like you can work with people all over the country and you do work with people all over the country, specializing with high performing entrepreneurs, stay at home moms. I mean, really anybody who wants to get in, in the best shape of their life, they can work with you, but you don't have to be there with them. So can you tell people a little bit more about where, um, where they can find out more about you? I mean, we have the million dollar body method, the low carb hustle podcast, natetrainingsystems.com, all the other stuff, but where's the best place for somebody to interact with you specifically? If you want to like, if you want to chat, find me on Instagram at low carb hustle. That's like, I love, I answer all my messages. It's not like no VA or anything like that. Um, if you want to check out what the coaching would look like, um, go to n the number eight training.com or million dollar body method.com, or just go download the book at getnatesbook.com. And then, you know, there's like, you'll get some emails from me after the fact with some, with some just more information, probably a lot of jabs, lots of jabs, a lot of jabs. Well, man, this has been, this has been great. Everything from just the, I, I'm, I'm reading down here, my 60 seconds of explosive exercise in the morning, water, high protein, high fat, high, high veggie, high carb gallon per day. And then we dove into the, to the training specific stuff, man. Like there's somebody can listen to this podcast. What I love and in an hour and seven minutes, they can get everything that they need to get to be able to literally the next day, go out and start implementing this stuff. So, um, just I mean, as a I token of up, thank right? you, what's that? That's, that means I screwed up. I should have left a lot, left a lot more to be said. Right. And that's what otherwise, I was going to Otherwise they're say. not going to, they're not going to need me. As a, as a really simple thank you. I mean, just go out and, and find Nate at the low carb hustle on Instagram and just tell him thank you for this, for this podcast, because he really left everything on the table for us. Um, Nate, as always, man, this was, this was awesome. I should say, as always, this is our second time doing it only, but we should do it more often as always. I appreciate you being here and thank you for uh, thank you for being on the Unlock Your Excellence podcast. Thanks for having me. This is a ton of fun, Mike. All right, we'll see you soon.